Hi, everyone. Welcome to It's Always Saturn, the podcast from Raven Rabbit Ram. I'm Christina Langell. I'm your host. Today's episode features Devin Dodoli. Devin is a trauma-informed photographer. They specialize in boudoir and portrait photography, and they are just super fucking amazing at what they do. So please, if you are in the area, consider booking Devin for yourself, for a loved one. Her work is just absolutely gorgeous. You can find her on Instagram at ddadoli, that's D-D-A-D-O-L-Y, or you can find her on her website, devindadoli.com. They also teach workshops on photography and hold space in their studio for queer community, which is a super cool thing. We jump right into it in this episode. I think our very first topic is addiction and sobriety, so it's a fun ride. We also talk a lot about running a business, being an entrepreneur, owning a small business, and the struggles of that, the joys of it, and most of all, you get to hear all about Devin's process, her motivation, her story, and it's just, it's really inspiring and really cool, and it's just amazing to put the thoughts behind the images, and when you see her images on Instagram, you'll understand why I'm so stoked to have her on the show and stoked to have her as a friend and looking forward to the next time I get to see her in real life. I hope everyone had a nice holiday if you celebrate and we did take a week off. I also wanted to hold a little bit of space for the most recent mass shooting in Colorado. In the U.S., we are so accustomed to talking about these topics on an intellectual level We are so convinced that our opinion about things or our say on the matter is super valid and super important. And in reality, people's lives are at stake. And like truly, whatever you fucking believe is not that important unless the thing that you happen to believe is just not being a dick and holding space for other people in this world, being respectful and being kind like Jesus and your mama taught you. Judge not lest ye be judged. Whoever throws the first stone, etc., etc. It really couldn't have been any clearer. So kindly just, you know, if you believe shitty things, keep it to yourself. It's not anybody else's problem. Other people don't deserve to die because you want to spread your vitriol. 100% if you are publicly saying horrible things about people you don't even know because you don't like the way they live their lives, which are not yours to live then you need to be ready to claim responsibility for the kind of violence that we see in this country because it is empowered by that kind of rhetoric. So I'm going to get off my soapbox and uh, enjoy this episode with Devin Dodoli. It's always Saturn. How's it going? I guess I should (laughs) introduce you. (laughs) Yeah, go for it. Uh, This is Devin. You're a photographer. I'll let you introduce yourself. That's silly for me to... (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, so my name is Devin Dodoli. I am a trauma-sensitive therapeutic photographer who specializes in boudoir and intimate portraiture for all genders and all bodies. I'm based outside of Philadelphia, like an hour west in Coatesville. I have a studio there and yeah, I love what I do and I can't believe that I get to do it every day. It's very exciting and thank you for having me on this. Thank you so much for coming. This is not at all to do with your art and your work, but did you grow up in Downingtown? Yes. Okay. Because I was like, I know, 
I know you from the group of people who are from Downingtown, but I was like, yeah. I don't know if that's how they know each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I grew, my husband and I both grew up in Downingtown and I met, but I also went to Westchester. So it's like a mix of like all of that, but I am um, like quite a few years younger than you guys. Okay. I met Amanda. Can I say people's names on here? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I met Amanda because we worked at the same like health food store. Oh, okay. And then we just like stayed in touch for years. Um, that was probably like almost 15 years ago at this point. Just so wild to think about. Yeah. Okay. Well, I went to Unionville. That, so. Okay. I grew up so in like how, Chats Ford. How did you meet everybody then? College. I was okay. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we're always adjacent to each other. Like I, I've been around you some and I see you most frequently in terms of like people's life events, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. but um, I see your art all the time. And I feel like I know quite a few people who have gotten portraits from you. So I'm like always seeing your work. And then I yeah. always hear about you peripherally because, and feel free, I will strike this from the record if this is something that you don't, don't want to talk about or mention but like I'll hear about like because because I don't drink and people will be like <laughs> it's always like a reference point like oh like Devin had this really cool non-alcoholic beer or like what are you know like yeah, people, yeah. people are always trying to like make it more um <laughs> yeah. find a connection for people <laughs> yeah yeah so I don't mind talking about this at all I've been uh in December, um, it'll be seven years that I've been sober. I'm a recovering addict. Um, so it is something that I like, don't mind talking about at all. I appreciate you asking me if it was okay. Um, talk about, yeah, I don't mind at all. I, the thing is though, I still like drinking non-alcoholic beer in recovery. It's kind of like, people are kind of sensitive about it, but like, I don't care. I love the taste of beer. I want to drink beer, so I'm, like, really invested in trying all the different, like, non-alcoholic beers. Um, I, yeah, and I love, like, mocktails and all that stuff, but I like something really dry. I don't like, like, a sweet mocktail. I want, yeah, I don't really want, like, a pina colada. I want, like, bitters with club soda. That's, like, yeah. Yeah, I'm 100% the same, because I feel like the alternatives, like, like it's just because you don't like drink alcohol doesn't mean that you don't want like a more like bitter adult yeah. palate like I don't want to drink soda like which <laughs> is <just> gross yeah. <laughs> like just like I don't want to eat like a whole box of Swedish fish like <laughs> I would just hey. rather drink something bitter so I really like non-alcoholic beer too and mocktails I just have bitters like on my counter at all times because I'll just throw it into my into my seltzer water or whatever it's so good I have I'm looking at my bitters collection right now I have like a dozen over there just different flavors and different like you know herbs and things like that it's great I love it yeah bitters are definitely a part of my daily just because they're also a supplement you know yeah yeah it's pretty beneficial but it makes my tummy feel good so why would I do that <laughs> I'm with you 100% on that. Yeah, I guess I've probably only talked to you since you've been sober and in recovery. But yeah, I've I've been, I guess like 
May will be two years. So whatever yeah. two years minus that many months is. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I'm not going to lie. Like, I think the assumption is that the longer you go, the easier it gets. And that couldn't, no. For me, not true. You know, it's like I have an amazing support system and I have like all the tools and skills I need in order to like have an amazing recovery that feels good and have like a very full life and things like that. But it's still hard. Yeah. You know, you're like avoiding this thing that's so normalized every day. Yeah. And I think in some ways it kind of gets harder as you get like further from like bad experiences because you're like, oh, like what would really be so bad? And it's like, you know, you have to just remind yourself like, you made a change for a reason like you weren't happy so like let's just assume that you doing the same thing again will not be satisfying (laughs) for sure it's easy to forget for sure to your point like it's really easy to forget and like luckily like I met my husband before I got sober so that I can ask him like it was really that bad right like I need to like not drink again and he's like you need to not drink (laughs) (laughs) so like I do have people around me that are like keeping me in check kind of it's great to have the support but it doesn't mean that like it just goes away by itself which I think is the assumption yeah do you mind if I ask is your husband sober he's not he's not an addict he's not sober he's the kind of person that's always just like could drink half of a beer and like not finish it and I don't get that at all (laughs) just like no like the most he ever probably drank in his life, like like consistently was probably when we first started dating because I was just like, so making it so normalized. It was also really normalized for me growing up. My mother's an alcoholic. She hasn't drank in a couple of years now, she said. But like my whole family just, there's alcoholism in, on both sides. And it's also just very normalized. It's funny though, the older we get, like the less people in my family drink, not out of like, sobriety necessarily but just because I think they're just like not that interested in it anymore so that's been getting pretty easy but like growing up I mean people would bring out all that every event we would drink all day like it's just normal yeah I didn't realize it wasn't normal until I went over to like my high school boyfriend's house and his parents like never drank or like only drank on like weekends and special occasions and I did not get that at all but yeah. Yeah, I definitely, I feel you. I grew up with a lot of alcohol and alcoholism. My dad was sober most of mm. my life that he was, he, he died when I was a teenager, but he was sober for like most of what I can remember. And then like, as an adult, I'm like, oh shit. I wish like I, <laughs> I had had like conversations with him. Cause it probably would have like, uh, you know, I don't know that it would have saved me any trouble. Most children of alcoholics still grow up and make their own mistakes. But but I'm like, oh, that that might've been different. Like had I known, like to have like a sober person's influence would have been really cool. But instead it was just like the sober person was gone and I was, you know, in college and Westchester's not a very like uh, abstinence, (laughs) abstinence. type of school atmosphere yeah (laughs) right in a town where there's so much alcohol it's like I mean and also like when I was in high school and stuff like I I wasn't even in a position to be like thinking about my own alcoholism like I wasn't there yet you know like I have some friends who are children of 
parents who are sober. So like they're still children of alcoholics. It's just like a different like stage of the alcoholic's life. Um, so it's just like interesting, but you, you hit the nail on the head talking about like children of alcoholics or children of addicts still grow up to make their own decisions. And I don't really know how to like undo that type of stuff. Um, like the thought of me being a parent, like my children will still be, even though I'm sober, my children will still be children of an alcoholic, which is such a weird thought, but it's true. They did this genetic testing when I was pregnant because they were doing a study and they were like, it'll be free for you. It's like, you know, literally like when I saw the bill for it, like they zeroed it all out. It was free because it was a study, but like what it actually cost was like, eight hundred thousand dollars to do this testing and I was like what the heck are you people even doing but it was really extensive and it was really funny because in the end they were like oh there's like nothing genetically to worry about but based on like your self-reporting and your husband's self-reporting what you're really going to want to watch out for is addiction and mental health problems and we were like yeah no shit Sherlock (laughs) so much addiction and alcoholism and depression and like all kinds of you know like it's we're very aware of (laughs) what genetically we're bringing to the table there so and it's like such a weird thing to tell people to watch out for because it's like okay well I'll I'll do my best not to like and as somebody fuck up my kids but like there's I, I you can't make decisions for kids like once they're older like I I wish that like my being really self-aware will prevent any chance of them being hurt by that, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing too. It's like, I have friends who are addicts whose parents were like the most stereotypically good parents. Like they always had like an open line of communication with their children and, you know, supported their children and like all kinds of stuff. And like the kids still made their own decisions, you know, like whether it's an act of defiance from like that a stable home life or whatever I don't know but it's just I'm fascinated by the fact that like you can't you never know how your kids are going to turn out it's just like a wild thought because we're starting to think about having children too like I'm you know I'm 31 my husband's 20 how old is he he's 29 (laughs) so it's like we're still we still have that some time but like you know in that friend group that you and I are both a part of like there's so many folks with kids that sometimes I feel like the odd one out a little bit because mm-hmm. I don't not necessarily because I don't have kids but I don't understand the experience of like parenting you know like I can't imagine what that like changes in, in you you know I don't know yeah kind of going on a tangent but <laughs> no I I think as a good tangent I think I don't know it's one of those things where everything people say about parenting sounds like really cliche (laughs) I know that I I never wanted to be a parent until like shortly before like had kids yeah so so it was like very much like a a quick change of perspective for me but I think what's like the most remarkable to me is like you talk to so many people where like parenting is so much of like their who they are And it's like really important to me to be like a good parent, but it's, I think that part of, for me being a good parent is like, that's not like who I think of myself as, like, I think of myself as a writer and like creative and, and like, I'd rather model that than like center 
being a mom because I don't it doesn't really give my kids anything to aspire to well that's yeah, <laughs> no 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 no. I understand and I appreciate you saying that because I've always been curious because as somebody who isn't a parent like doesn't have children and like wants to think about their future I often think about things like that like will I be able to continue to be more than just a parent because the responsibility is overwhelming and all these things that we know about being parents but like for me I've always been afraid like will I lose parts of myself that I have now not having children that's always been like a big fear for me so like I appreciate somebody who is a parent saying something like that you know because it is important for me to hear that and it's also important for other parents to hear that too I think because I want to be more than just like a parent, a mom, whatever. But and it's so nice out today that I have my windows open. I'm so surprised it's November. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah, just going back to what you were saying, I like appreciate you saying something like because um, you are you're a whole universe of stuff, right? Like you're not just a parent. You're a parent who also does these things and invest time in these things and wants to be a part of these things and you also have like I think similarly about my relationship with my husband like I think the thing that makes me the best partner ever is knowing that we have separate lives which sounds really contradictory but like we allow each other to have to do like our own thing and then we like also have our life together which is very cool to me like my relationship doesn't have to be all about my relationship what makes me a good partner is all the other things outside of my relationship so like I think I was kind of like thinking about that when you were talking about you know not focusing so much on the role of motherhood and making it your whole personality but everything else yeah I think that's a great a great model for a relationship yeah Yeah. Yeah. and if it can't work like that if it can't work like that then I could not, that relationship would not be functional for me. Now, that doesn't mean that like other people can't have relationships that are all about their relationships and they can't work and stuff like that. It's just, this is mostly for me. You know, the thing that makes me a good partner is this style of relationship for sure. Yeah. And I think that like must be great for your husband and just like, there's, there's something there to engage with and love and be attracted to it's like oh like this whole as you said a whole universe that you encompass which I, I think you can get burned out on things if it's the thing that you love is the love you yeah know? exactly <laughs> exactly that's really important because it's like it's so nice that we each have our own schedules throughout the week like he has hobbies that he you know loves like he does ceramics every week and he likes to play tennis with his friends. And the nice thing too is that like he has friendships outside of our relationship. He has friendships outside of our mutual friendships. Like it's just, it's really nice. And it makes me feel like less guilty about being so obsessed with my own stuff and my own work. Like I'm a super workaholic. I don't know that any entrepreneur couldn't be a workaholic. <laughs> like I just am obsessed with what I do so much that like I can work all the time so it's nice that my husband like has things other than outside of outside of our you know us that like make him happy and feel fulfilled so like maybe it's selfish that I'm thinking like that but I don't know it works I don't think it sounds selfish also that's good to hear that like entrepreneur like because my husband has observed that I work more now that I work for myself than I ever did 
Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, but at least I like it more. <laughs> it's so true. Like I'm always working. And the problem is like that cliche that they say like, oh, do what you love and you'll work, never work a day in your life is the biggest. Can I curse on here? Oh yeah. Okay. It's the biggest pile of fucking bullshit because now I work more than I ever have. I work 24 seven. I work every day of my life, <laughs> you know, and I get to do something that I'm like insanely passionate about, but like, that doesn't mean I'm not working. Like I'm I was, totally working. That's my like, like number one question that I wanted to ask you because I don't know, I had this like push and pull forever working in a corporate job and being afraid that if I was writing as a job, like anything other than like being a novelist where I just purely write what I want and somebody magically pays me for that. Yeah. <laughs> like that if I was doing any other kind of writing that it would kill my love of it. And, and yeah. so like that was, I guess, kind of an excuse for a long time not to pursue professionally like what I wanted to do. And then like I, I hear my husband say the same thing um, where he's like, well, I feel like if I like wrote music for other people as a job, like the idea of like scoring stuff or writing, you know, just like little jingles or whatever, that it would like kill his love for it. I think that fear is there for a lot of creative people, but it also can be like a boundary from taking something that you're really passionate and really good at and making it a career. So as I was yeah. wondering for you, like, sounds like you're still really very passionate about your art, very creative with your photography. Yeah. I do lose, I have lost some creative energy. So photography is like the newest art form for me. I grew up like drawing and painting. I went to school for drawing and painting. Like I went to Westchester's art program and I have a degree in it in fine arts. And I picked up a camera like after college. So I'm not the most like, and I'll talk about this a little bit too. It's like, I'm not the most like skilled photographer because uh, I don't really have any training in it. So it's like, that's always been something that kind of I feel like sets me apart from other photographers that I know like it sometimes makes me feel intimidated about my work like intimidated by other photographers because I'm not the most skilled but then I remember like if I could draw like a really amazing drawing with a ticonderoga pencil like who cares about like if I have it inside me who cares about the products that I'm using the tools that I'm using and like the quality of them so anyway I like kind of went off on a tangent there but when I used to paint and draw all the time so after college I got into like a public relations job which was like total 180 for me but I'm like highly organized very good at like keeping things together scheduling things like that like that's like kind of my wheelhouse um, as far as like corporate jobs so I was in a corporate job for a long time but I also was like so passionately like painting outside of my job, my nine to five. And then when I got sober, I had to like leave that job because I just, there's like this cliche and AA that's like, you can't stay in a place that may, you can't get better at a place that made you sick. So like my corporate job was like allowing, giving me an environment of like drinking a lot, going out with clients, you know, things like that. So I just decided like it was probably best for me to leave. And that was that made me take that leap because otherwise I would have been so nervous to leave thinking like, what am I going to do? Am I just going to be a starving artist or like, did I fail? Because like, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. I'm making the salary. I have the benefits. I'm 
have the structured job from the outside it like looks like I have a fantastic life together all of these things and so I was like nervous to leave um, plus it was just like a great paycheck so I left to work um, for like a lesser salary at like a local um, animal rescue and I did their social media and things like that and then I left that job because I wasn't happy once I left the job it was like domino effect like I <laughs> once I left one job I wasn't going to stay at a job that wasn't making me happy because once I did it the first time I was like all right fuck this. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can definitely do this so but my point is I had these jobs but I was painting and drawing on, on the side and then when I started doing photography more seriously like that became my whole focus because it allowed me to get a lot out of it it allowed me to like connect with people to see things like in a more observant way I started out doing like candids and all kinds of stuff like that and that's I photographed Kaylin and Jason's wedding was the first wedding I ever photographed. Mm-hmm. I was so nervous. Um, but I was like so happy that they asked me because Kaylin was really interested in like my candid work because I would take my camera everywhere. I was that like annoying friend that would just be like, oh, we're going out to dinner. I'm going to take my camera and just like photograph the food on the table and the people's hands like reaching for the forks. And I was just like fascinated by that because it felt so like observant. And I really like felt in love with that. This like observant style of almost like voyeuristic, but without the, you know, like, creepy. <laughs> and it's like, I just felt like I was kind of like a fly on the wall document, like a documentarian. And so I really liked that. And it was like something that I really felt connected to. But what happened is the more that I worked with my camera, the less that I engage in like painting or drawing or things like that. So over the years, like I've taken retail jobs to like supplement my photography work. And the, the more I get in and then just recently left my retail job to like be full-time photo person which I was pre-pandemic but then the pandemic like really cut back a lot of my business because we were in sure it's a luxury item so it wasn't anything that people were like spending their extra funds on so I got a job working in retail I have like um so much love for this job I love I worked at Timberton Whole Foods um and I loved it so much but it's I didn't have enough time to like fully be into my business. So I decided to leave to like re-pursue this full time because I was working seven days a week. I didn't have any days off. My husband was like, look, we are not spending time together at all. We need to like figure something out. So I just said, okay, I think I'm going to take the leap again and try to do this full time. And so I've been doing this August and it's scary every day. And I'm sure you understand. <laughs> like it's super scary every day. And I'm just like, is anybody gonna like my stuff? Am I gonna like do this? Blah blah blah. But it feels really it still feels really fulfilling. I because I also feel that like it's helping me feel some of my shit. And I think because I think about this a lot, like why am I still so passionate about this? Like I've been doing it for six years now like connecting with people, working on boudoir that's like kind of like outside of the box, outside of the norm. It's really more focused on like therapeutic experiences. Now, I'm not a therapist. I just want to say that right now. I'm not a counselor. I'm not a therapist. I'm not like certified by any institution to give like mental health advice or anything like that. But I do engage in a style of photography that's really popular in like Canada and Europe called therapeutic photography, where it's basically like using the camera as a tool to explore like emotional and physical like needs outside of 
traditional therapy. And so anybody can engage in it. You don't have to be certified. You don't have to be a therapist or anything like that. There is a style of photography that you do need to be a certified therapist um, in order to engage in. And it's called phototherapy, but that's not what I do. I just want to make that very clear. But therapeutic photography means that the photography can be therapeutic to either or both the client or the photographer. So like I find that every time I'm photographing somebody, I'm getting something out of it um, because I started photographing my own body because I didn't like it. And I was like learning about this thing called body neutrality. I think we've all heard about the body positivity movement. Um, but I started focusing on body neutrality because I never felt the need to like, because body positivity was not working for me. Um, it had become like really co-opted by, you know, the health and wellness industry and like yoga ladies and like it just wasn't aligning with me and it lost a lot of its meaning because I mean it was developed by fat folks black folks trans folks who were trying to uplift like marginalized bodies and it just like lost a lot of meaning over the years so I started focusing on something called body neutrality and body acceptance which basically means like you feel like neutral about your body you use it as a tool for existing in the world it doesn't make things for you and so I was having such a hard time with my body that I just was like, this feels attainable. This feels like something that I can do. And so in order to, for me to be like neutral or accepting of my body, I just needed to like see it more and stop avoiding it. So I would just photograph it. I would just photograph all my stress marks. And I felt comfortable enough at one point to start like posting them on the internet and like, you know, my family and parents like didn't understand it at first now they're like super supportive but it just felt really important for me if I felt comfortable because like I wanted to see that you know I wanted to see the roles and the acne and all this stuff on other people too and so when I started doing that I got some inquiries of people being like can you photograph me like that can you photograph me like that and that's how I got into this and then I felt over the years like I needed to have a I, I owed my clients certain responsibility to understand, like, to support them better, to have, like, guidelines and tools in order to, like, not only support them, but to support myself as well, because I can get a lot of, like, burnout. I photograph a lot of people who are in recovery from trauma, addiction, um, eating disorders, folks who are, like, transitioning, um, people who are feeling like dysphoric about their bodies or their gender, looking for something that may be more gender affirming, people who are like looking to try new things. So like in order to serve these like marginalized communities, like I felt like I need, especially communities that some of them I'm like not a part of. So it felt really important for me to like start taking a trauma-informed approach, like basically doing my best that I could do to support these people during the session. And so like, I think that that's what makes my work a little bit more unique as far as like being a boudoir photographer but I think I just explained my whole story and you didn't even know so <laughs> <laughs> I just went I just went off I loved it it's like this is awesome here you answered a lot of questions that I would have asked so that was perfect <laughs> okay, great. Um, I was thinking about that like I think I actually wrote in my like little intake form scheduling with you I thought I was being like way too personal in my explanation of why I wanted to work with you and then I think I wrote the actual sentence like I know this isn't a therapy session and then it was like oh wait her thing is 
therapeutic photography (laughs) but it was so funny to me because like for me and I don't want this to turn into like a Christina centric (laughs) therapy session but it's funny because I look at your work all the time and like I I like always have this thought like well like I wonder if I could even neutral would be like a great a great place to get to but I'm always thinking I wonder if if like I was photographed if I could appreciate it the same way that I do when I look at like Amanda or Allison or yeah um, yeah like because in my head I'm like but they are beautiful or like you are beautiful like I see you in the real world and think like oh like that person so like of course they're photographs but like I can't apply that same logic to myself I guess Um, (laughs) but I also think it's really funny because like I always joke that I'm like the opposite of body dysmorphia because like when I look in the mirror I'm like I'm looking awesome <laughs> yeah, I, and then I see myself in the world and I'm like no oh wow okay yeah <laughs> I was very wrong <laughs> it's so hard because no I appreciated you putting that in your report because that is the important stuff for me to know like as long as the client knows like this isn't gonna like fix you or heal you immediately this is just like a tool right like a it's a tool, it's a stepping stone on your journey. That's like how I like to say it, um, which is why it makes it therapeutic and not therapy because like the end goal isn't necessarily that like you're going to be fixed, but like maybe this is something you could try on your journey. Um, and I think it's really important for people to tell me things like that because I need to know like certain sensitivities or whatever in order to like support the client. And your, I guess, fears is like the only word that I can come up with or like reasonings for being nervous about doing something like this is uh, so valid and almost everybody who steps into a studio says that even the folks that you just named (laughs) (laughs) feel the same way and I get this a lot I'm not photogenic I don't listen on camera I don't know what to do I don't know how to pose I don't know what to wear I don't know like Basically, any question that you have, like, it has been asked uh, a lot. And my answer is always, like, this time for once in your life is fully for you. So I think the expectation is, like, people need to wear lingerie. No, you don't. You can wear a full snowsuit. I do not care. Um, Maybe this is a good time to, like, explain the difference between boudoir and portraiture for me. Now, I wanted to do, like, a social media post on this because I think it's important. I just, like, haven't come up with, like, mappy enough dialogue for it yet so be on the lookout but for me boudoir and portraiture I treat the exact same way so my boudoir sessions and my portrait sessions like I take just as much care planning and sensitivity towards both these things it's just that the only difference is uh, portraiture you're like more engaged with camera and boudoir you're less engaged with camera so it's a little more uh, documentarian, things like that. It really has very little to do with what you're actually wearing in order for me to like call something boudoir or I have done boudoir sessions where people are fully clothed. It's just like, and I think that that sometimes makes people feel a little bit better about it. They're like, oh, okay, I don't have to wear lingerie. I want you to wear or not wear whatever you want. If you have that vintage jacket that you've like never gotten to wear out before that you like are just finding a place to wear. Like this is the time. I photographed somebody in a gown recently. They were like, I just want to wear this gown. 
like I always have this gown I don't know what to do with it so I'm like okay bring it in and we'll wear the gown and as far as like not knowing what to do or anything like that like I pose people and I tell you exactly what to do where to look um I tell you what to do with your hands which everybody's always like what do you what do I do with my hands (laughs) um I tell you all that and the Honestly, the session is very much like what we're doing right now. It's conversational. I'm talking nonstop. I don't shut the fuck up. If you laugh, you laugh. You know, um, I just like, I mean, obviously you just heard me go on a tangent for five minutes. Like I love what I do so much. I can't shut the fuck up about it. Um, And I also know that this is a really exciting, but also scary experience and vulnerable experience for people. So like, I want to make sure that they know that like I'm invested, I'm engaged. And I'm taking it very seriously and I'm like interested in them. Yeah. I know you're scared, but you would be, oh my God, you'd be amazing. <laughs> like, you know, just like when we're at parties and stuff, like I look at you and I'm like, I want to photograph Christina so bad, but I don't, <laughs> like I do. I have been thinking that for years and I just like don't want to, because my whole thing is about like, folks making this decision for themselves like it's really hard for me to like not approach people and be like I really want to go that but like I don't want to be intrusive but honestly what I've realized is that most people like in my personal life are very interested but they're like nervous to approach me does that make sense um so if anybody in my personal life is listening to this which they will be because I will share it but if anybody in my personal life that I have not photographed yet is interested please let me know <laughs> um, <laughs> do not be afraid to approach me I think most people in my life are very interested in what I do and like want it for themselves they want a reason to celebrate themselves they want a reason to have one photo that and, and you know to be honest like just to be transparent I've had folks who cannot look at the photos they don't like how they look in them they are either like I talked about before it's a lot of folks who are undergoing like different transitions and stages in their lives who it's you know they want it's very difficult for some people to see to truly see themselves and so like there is a difference between feeling uncomfortable and feeling afraid to be vulnerable and not being able to like truly see yourself and not being ready um because um my friend and like mentor Cheyenne Gill um she recently posted something that was just truly amazing and just a great way to like know if you're ready for a session and they said it should be at some point like a full body fuck yeah like even if you're nervous even if you're like scared to get vulnerable even if you're like oh this is terrifying at some point you should be like fuck yeah that sounds cool or that sounds amazing or that sounds right for me and I just loved like how they captured that essence because it's so true like even if you're scared or nervous or whatever if at some point you're like fuck yeah that sounds cool I want to do it like you're probably ready however like I can't determine if anybody's ready for this or not I definitely have had people in the studio who I'm like thinking that it's going to fix them and when it doesn't it's like disappointed you know a little bit so it's not all butterflies and rainbows all the time, but it's mostly butterflies and rainbows. (laughs) So that's where like the responsibility of understanding like my own boundaries and handling secondhand trauma and burnout and all those things are so important. And I take it so seriously because I do have folks who are just in such 
a difficult and sensitive place in their life that it could be difficult. They might not respond positively to the work and that's, that's totally fine too. It's all part of the deal. Do you typically show people what you've got going on while they're there or do you work with the photos or look through them yourselves and then send them like a first, first look? Cause I found uh, like that, that's kind of killed me in a, in a, you know, like anything from like JC Penny to like having like a, a legit like photographer take my picture. Like if it, if they show me and we're not finished taking pictures, like I'm done. Like <laughs> it's been ruined. I'm like, I didn't want to see, I look terrible. And then like, I'm just like sad and it's not their fault, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. So um, you're not the only person who feels like that. So at the beginning of this session, I will ask people like, do you want to see the back of the camera while I'm working? Because here's what happens. Unlike JC Penny photographers or like other photographers that I have seen, now like I never want to speak for every photographer. This is not about that. It's very me centric. I say this here, but I get really fucking excited and I get like literally screaming, jumping. Oh my God, this is amazing. Like you look so powerful, embodied, whatever. And then I'll say, do you want to see it? And then if people are like, no, I want to be surprised, then I'm like, I don't even bring it up again. Um, if people are like, yeah, I want to see one, I'll show them. And like 95% of the time, people are like, that's me. Fuck yeah. Okay, we can keep going. Like, I got it. <laughs> um, so like, it is hard because it is a 50-50 toss-up. Like, you could see yourself and be like, I don't like that at all. And it could really put a damper on it. Or you could see it and be like, oh my God, I am such an empowered bitch. Like, this is me. I'm excited. It's hard because I haven't really mastered like a good, good like technique yet for figuring out how to like properly ask people because I want people to give me the consent to show them, but I also don't want them to feel pressured by my reaction to like look at it. You know what I mean? So I'm still figuring that out, but I definitely get like, it's probably a fair like half and half split of people who don't want to see they just want to see the gallery and I also do send like a first look kind of like a sneak peek um within like 72 hours or something just like a handful of images so that they can see mostly because I'm just excited but I'm thinking about not doing that anymore I'm thinking about just sending the whole gallery as is because I feel like if I pick out the best ones from the gallery then they don't like have more to look I don't know that's a personal thing I'm like figuring out but I do send a a sneak peek I do allow them to look at the back of the camera if they want to but it's not like it's no pressure it's very important for me in my studio to know that like any answer that the person feels good about is the right answer like I am not here to like if somebody says no I don't want to see back of the camera I'm not going to be like oh really you don't want to like I am a hard like no means no it's fine anybody you know I feel the same way about like this brings up like the nudity thing like there's I think there's an expectation that in order like I've had a couple clients feel like I'm not going to feel like I did the session right unless I also do nude and I just want to like really break down that expectation there is no expectation of wearing lingerie being nude being topless or anything in my studio that does not mean that you're like doing the session better that does not mean that you are recovering more that does not mean that you have like arrived more at the end goal there's no end goal because it's just like a a lifelong work with nudity I am very serious about if somebody says no that's the answer 
Um, also, there's no expectations from me that people have to be mute. Like, if someone doesn't want to do it, I'm not here to pressure you. I'm not here to, like, make you feel like you're less than or anything like that. Um, I was just thinking about, like, the consent-based, like, looking at the back of the camera. And then it's kind of similar to how I, like, treat nudity and other things like that. I will say, though, like, a lot of folks who come into the studio by the end of the session they're feeling so comfortable that they're like fuck yeah let's fucking do it but I do ask on like my intake form not my intake form but my questionnaire that you get like a couple days before your session like nudity comfort level and one of the responses is like I'm not like it says do you want to do any of your sessions partially or like fully nude and then it's like a scale so it's like yeah I'm interested in full nudity I'm interested in nudity, but topless or bottomless only. I'm interested in only implied nudity. So like you're fully covered or like if you even still have a bra on or some top or something and like fully covered with fabric, maybe let's revisit at the session. Maybe I'll let you know. So like, I don't even ask. I want them to feel empowered to tell me. And then the last one is like, no, I'm not comfortable and don't ask again. And so like, I know ahead of time, like that, comfort level and like maybe it would be good for me to put on that form about like seeing the back of the camera that might be like a good question to ask. I don't know yeah it could be yeah do you ever find yourself in chins like consent wise like in the other directions because you are dealing with sometimes couples and like you know like there could be some like kink and like stuff like that in your work do you ever find like are you ever put in an awkward position where people just kind of assume that you're like uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. down, down I, for more than you are as the, as the yeah. photographer? <laughs> yeah, that's a really good question. So the couples that I, okay, my couples form is like really, okay. <laughs> so my workflow is you send me an inquiry form. I send you the price list and the scheduling link and all that stuff. Then with your contract, you get a PDF. Okay? And the PDF has all of my boundaries, all of my promises, all of my like, every, it's so thorough, it's ridiculous, but it's perfect for this question because it outlines everything I do and do not do. And I want people to get that with the contract so that if they don't agree with it, they don't sign the contract. Or if they're so into it, they sign the contract. So for any session, it's very thorough. It talks about like, I also outline my boundaries. If we're going to be doing like pink or something like that, I will outline my boundaries. Um, even though I'm just there to document it, there are certain things I'm not interested in photographing. So I make it very clear at the beginning of the site. These are things that I'm not interested in doing. If these are things that you were planning on doing. Like I can refer you to another photographer for these things because I do have quite a few you know, other photographers who do similar things to what I do. And I love to offer them work as well, um, especially if I think it doesn't, it's not a good fit for me. Um, I've never had somebody in the moment make assumptions about me. I've been able to kind of like beat that out ahead of time. And also just like my boundaries. I've gotten so good at boundaries in my professional life with clients that it kind of eliminates some of that stuff uh but that's a really good question because I do photograph I you know I am kink friendly and I am like sex work friendly and things like that but I haven't it's been pretty tame as far as like not pushing my boundaries 
too hard. I'm, I'm pretty much open to anything. It's nice to have an idea of like, so I recently just co-facilitated a workshop on incorporating, safely incorporating kink into photography, like really honoring kink as opposed to like making it a costume for the session. Um, because I see a lot of boudoir photographers who are incorporating like, I now have handcuffs or silk scarves for, you know, tying and binding and things like that. And I just like wanted to make sure that people were like really paying homage to kink and not like making it a costume because it is such like an amazing community and it's very empowering and things like that. So it was like me, somebody who is a kink dom and a burlesker and like somebody who's like really into the lifestyle essentially, the kink lifestyle. And then I have a photographer friend who is a kink and smut friendly photographer who was on the workshop with me too. And I think the best advice that they gave to other photographers was like, don't supply the equipment yourself. If the client wants to engage in kink on camera, they need to bring their equipment. So like that took a lot of the pressure off of me in order to like kind of weed out people who weren't like into, who were just using it as like an excuse to like fulfill some fantasy, which is also not something that I think that I could like fully support the person in because I'm not think proficient in that way where I would feel like comfortable being a facilitator or a guide like I'm here to sort of document your experience and I think by asking the folks like what um, accessories will you be bringing what um, types of play will you be engaging in I ask all kinds of this stuff before they even get in so that I have an idea of like what's going to happen so that I can also prepare I do see like why someone might be drawn to trying just because it would look cool in a photograph but from the concept of like this is a picture of you like it's weird to take a picture of you doing something or wearing something you would never want to do or wear I kind of thought that about lingerie because like I think it looks pretty I I'm sure that there are things that I could find but like realistically it's not it's not really a part of my life (laughs) yeah pretty much pajamas (laughs) wear that I mean like most photos of me where it's like boudoir centric or like self-portraits that I take I'm either wearing like my go-to is like this really simple like thong and maybe like a really simple like unpadded bra but for the most part, the most comfortable that I feel is just fully. I don't know if it has to do with like my gender expression or like my understanding of what feels best for me or whatever. But I think the most comfortable I feel is not with any clothes on at all. Not that I'm like a nudist or anything like that. It's just like, I think I have such a hard time feeling good about myself. Like feeling like my clothing aligns with my gender expression that it's just easier for me to be nude yeah (laughs) because it's like "Mm, this just feels the most me at this point so and also like I feel really empowered when I'm photographing myself nude I'm like what is that and I am able to now be at the point where I'm almost seeing myself as like another person when I'm looking at photos of myself because I'm like if I saw that I'd be like fuck yeah you know if I saw that I'd be like yeah that's great but that's I mean it has taken years years of practice um to even get to that point and like now I also feel more comfortable with other people photographing me like I feel I'm pretty much the person that's like 
uh, if somebody's like, can I post some of these? I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever you want. Like, I don't care because I've been able to do so much like work around understanding that like, this is my body. This is what it looks like. I understand like people know I'm fat. You know what I mean? Like people know that I have a belly. Like I might as well just put it out there. But I also understand that most people are not in that position because they don't have the opportunity to explore that. Like I am in a really unique position where I get to explore that every day for my job. That is a really unique position. Mm-hmm. What a beautiful thing to have as an actual livelihood to be yeah. not, not only something that's like healing other, helping other people heal themselves, but like you're getting to heal yourself at work every day. that's amazing (laughs) it's pretty crazy like I mean I hate to use that word talk about not being very (laughs) common well um but it is wild it's very wild that I get to that I get to do this for a job that I get to work with other people um I also just like want to give a shout out to my husband who's like been super supportive because this is not you know my my interest in this work is not financial (laughs) like I know that I'm never gonna be like you know raking in millions of dollars doing this like it's I the communities that I want to work with are not communities that just like have tons of extra funds to like but it's so necessary for them so I'm like looking into you know 10-year goal five-year goal would be like I'm at a nonprofit status I'm like have a master's degree in art therapy so I can like get some sort of like credential for a nonprofit status and then also like I'm just working off of grants or something like that that's like cool uh but right now I'm just like just me (laughs) just me and my community I love that I've heard a lot of feedback from people that you know business for themselves a lot of people have really cautioned me as I go into doing business for myself because I'm very keen on like creating a world that's more based on the bar. Like I don't like capitalism. So I'm like, I would yeah. much rather trade services and do all these kinds of things. And people are like, yeah. but, like you're going to burn out and you're not going to have any money and you're going to have to stop doing what you love if you do that. So it's like this balance that you have to find, obviously, but <laughs> But like, when I see your work, I'm like, oh, you could like, when you say like, oh, I know I'll never be like, like, seriously, because in my mind, I'm like, oh, like, I could see with your work, like, getting to a point where you can have like, enough clients of means who are interested in your work to kind of like, offset, (laughs) offset what, what you do with people who may not have the means, something like that. I mean, yeah it's a dream (laughs) yeah I mean that's like totally the dream I mean for me what's hard is and this is like more business centric is like marketing like that's been really difficult not marketing per se I think like my brand I mean I just like rebranded which was really important I'm like really happy I got a new like logo I feel a little more like snow with that kind of shit and that just like really like lights the fire under me to be like getting merch together and doing all kinds of stuff and like merch coming soon look out for it (laughs) but I feel like really you know I don't have that many Instagram followers that doesn't bother me what I am looking for is like local followers like 
I need people in my area to be interested in what I'm doing or know about what I'm doing in order for me to be like, quote unquote, successful financially or otherwise. So like local marketing is really hard. <laughs> like Instagram followers are from like all over, but like if they can't get to me, yeah. <laughs> it is a very in-person job. Yeah. Yeah. Although I did see some interesting pandemic photography of like remote, like I follow this guy. I exclusively follow him because he's married to Shannon Doherty. Oh, okay. (laughs) His name's, I don't know. He's, I guess he's a famous photographer, but I, he had a lot of interesting pieces over the uh, pandemic of people that he photographed via Zoom. And I was like, oh, that's, like, I guess it's probably just a lot of direction at that point. Like, go stand over there. Like, yeah. <laughs> please move yeah. your light here. <laughs> yeah. I Like, and I thought about that. And it's like, I don't really feel, like, my whole thing is like, do I feel like I can be a good enough facilitator for something like that? And I just don't because I don't know there. Like, I love being in my space. <laughs> like, it's a comfort and boundary thing for me too. Like, my space, like, I feel like I can just facilitate this session so well in my space. Like I love connecting with people in person. And it's so funny. It's like how much I love connecting with people because I'm not very social. It may seem like I am, but I'm really not. Like I love being at home. I love being on my couch. And it's like hard for me to socialize big groups for like long periods of time. I just feel really tired. But like something really ignites my fire about like connecting with somebody one-on-one especially when I'm like in control of the session or the space which like there's a whole other element of what I do where it's like I would really love to remove the hierarchy because I am like I hold the power right I have the camera I'm wearing the clothes <laughs> in a lot of situations uh, I'm a stranger uh, to a lot of these people and so like I would love to be able to remove the hierarchy and make it like a very collaborative experience, but while also still maintaining control over like my space and boundaries. So like that's been an interesting like thing that I've been working on in the last like couple months is like figuring and perfecting that a little bit. You just moved locations, right? Yeah, I moved from Philly. So my husband and I bought a house in Downingtown like last year. Yeah, last year. And so I was commuting to my studio in Philadelphia and then I just couldn't do it anymore. I was like kind of writing out the lease there, but now I'm in Coatesville, which is right the next town over 10 minutes from my house. Where are you located? I'm in uh, Harrisburg. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's what I thought. I didn't know. How long have you been there? I guess this time around four years. Okay. There is feel- a really cool, I'm sorry. I didn't mean finish I don't want to interrupt you oh no I feel like I've like bounced around like a triangle for most of my adult life between like Westchester area central Pennsylvania and uh Baltimore area I just kind of (laughs) like rotate through those places that are all approximately like an hour and a half away from each other yeah I love Harrisburg oh my god I really do that town is so cool and there's um I'm just looking up the name of the street there's like a space in downtown Harrisburg that's like a brewery but it's attached to the studios or something oh yeah yeah um millworks 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 yeah it's pretty cool and then like two people that are out there that I absolutely love one shout out to Annie Minicucci she's out like in Harrisburg 
and a couple other like trauma aware photographers that are out there too so like you've got a good little network out there awesome um, i'll look them up yeah yeah yeah. i'll send you okay um other folks who are like also interested in aligning like like it's so funny because what you and i do is different right but it's also super aligned and that's like what i'm interested in is like making connections with people who whose work is like aligned with mine to create this like awesome mesh of people who are just like doing really cool things and we can like refer each other to each other so I'm like so grateful that you reached out to me I really appreciate it because like we honestly like have not talked enough we're always (laughs) around each other at parties and such or weddings but like no this this is so great yeah we should we should do zoom interviews more often Yes, we could do them unrecorded and just have coffee. Yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> yeah, if you are ever out here, I mean, you should come out here. We The thing about Harrisburg that, I mean, that really drew me to it to begin with is just that it's like, it's got, it's got a lot of stuff going on. Like, and I think it's growing in terms of like the arts and stuff like that. But then also like, it's just very affordable place to live too. Yeah. And like the thing that I love about Harrisburg is like similar to the borough of Downingtown, where it's like got the little Victorian home. It's walkable. There's a bookstore there that's like freaking amazing. I'm trying to think of what else. There's like a cool movie theater that I've been to. Yeah. Uh the farmers market is like out of this world. The indoor one, I forget what it's called, probably the farmers market. <laughs> Broad Street Market. Yeah. 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 I love it. I gotta come out there. We should I should just come out there. Um yeah. But it's, I love Harrisburg. We were thinking about moving, we were thinking about there before we moved back to Downtown. We were thinking about moving there, Downtown, and then um, Lancaster. That's a real up and coming place. I, I know. It's pretty cool. Plus, I, it's just like good vintage shopping and stuff out there. Too. Yeah, I interviewed a musician who lives out there and he was telling me all about this place. I don't know, like there's just, seems like there's a lot of like big bands and heading to Lancaster like on their tours that like you wouldn't expect but they're I know they're all like missing Philly which is like a big point of uh ranker for people in the Philly area like why are all these bands not coming when they're on their tours but some of them are going to Lancaster instead yeah oh interesting because it's like when I was growing up Lancaster was kind of like uh no I don't want to go to Lancaster but now I'm like yeah I want to go to Lancaster yeah it's really like queer friendly and art centric and it's very cool I like it a lot are you into oh my god I hate the way this even sounds coming out of my mouth (laughs) okay okay. are you into like astrology (laughs) Uh, (laughs) yeah you know it's so funny because it's not like I'm not super fluent but I find that astrology is adds like an extra layer of looking at the world in a different way than any way that I can like on earth if that makes sense <laughs> like I don't take uh like horoscopes at face value like I don't take them as like bible but I do love reading them because it makes me think about things in a different way that I probably wasn't thinking about um I think that there's like I mean astrology is a legitimate form of study it is absolutely real and I don't believe it's not real. <laughs> like, I'm not one of these people that's like, you kooky astrology people. I'm like fascinated by it. It is like something like 
people who are experts in it are fascinating to me. I absolutely believe in it. I think that it's amazing and it just shows that like there are things bigger than us out there, uh, patterns and things like that, but it's not something that I'm like fluent in, if that makes sense. I like know my big three, my big three signs, and that's really like about it. I am, although like I am a Virgo through and through, that's my sun sign. And then my rising is Capricorn, which makes a lot of sense why I'm like such a workaholic. One time somebody was like, I told them that I was a Virgo sun, Capricorn rising. And they're like, oh, laid back workaholic, cool. And I was like, ouch, <laughs> that's totally me. <laughs> Are Virgos laid back? Is that a... No, but... Um, <laughs> I mean, I am. <laughs> I'm also I, a Capricorn like, rising. Oh, I love that. Virgos, yeah, Virgos, I feel like I understand the least, even though it's, I've like literally always had a like red haired Virgo girl best friend in my life, like starting with my sister, like the OG. And then like, I've had just this year, I had one in like growing up, her name was Christy, red hair Virgo. And then like high school, Steffi, red hair Virgo, college, Jackie, red hair Virgo. It's just like something that like always exists in my life. But I don't understand, like, when I read about, like, what a Virgo is supposed to be, it's, like, the one that I believe, like, it's the least graspable for me. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, like, the meet a lot of the characteristics of a Virgo. I mean, but it's so funny because it's, like, well, what's your sun sign? Aries. Super obnoxious. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I mean, it's perfect for what you do. Like, I just, I think um, it's funny because Aries are the ones that, like, I understand the least. I'm just like I can't understand you but like I love my Aries friends you know and I love my Scorpio friends but like I've realized that like my least compatible like relations like romantic relationships and like lovers have been Aries and Scorpio Mm. so but like my friendship (laughs) but it's funny because as little I'm not like not into astrology but it's not like my personality you know how some people are like really really into it that's just like you know that's their life it's their livelihood it's whatever it's their bread and butter I was able to filter by astrological signs on OkCupid when I met my husband so I realized I was dating like a lot of Aries and Scorpios and it wasn't working out so it's like I just need to meet another earth sign so I filtered by Capricorn and Taurus and that's how I met my husband that's awesome I know <laughs> I didn't know that was an option I don't think it is anymore. This was like, you know, almost eight years ago at this point, but like, that's how I met him. I would not have, he would not have come up because he was really too, too, too young for me. I thought at the time, but like, my husband's younger than me too. Yeah. Like I just, I was always dating people who were older. So I just like took off everything, all of the like parameters, except for astrological sign. And that's how he popped up. And he was like living in Downingtown. And if you're living in Downingtown at 22 years old, to me, that means you're from Downingtown. Like, nobody <laughs> just, like, moves to Downingtown at 22, you know? So that's, like, kind of how we got started talking, because I was like, I'm from Downingtown. And so I met a Downingtown court, fell in love, we got married. <laughs> that's delightful. It is. So I'm kind of <laughs> with you, where I'm, like, astrology adjacent. Like, I like it a lot. I'll talk about it. But 
yeah. like I'm always like my sister does astrology like she read charts and stuff and I'll like yeah. ask her a lot of questions about it like I like to hear about it I like to read about it but like it's just not something that I would consider like my skill set or like my main thing but I just I think it's really interesting but Saturn so Saturn rules your chart if you're a Capricorn rising too I love that my business partner Megan who's also she's an artist she's Capricorn rising and then our mutual friend Allison's a Capricorn rising too oh that's awesome <laughs> I didn't know that about Allison yeah so- a lot of like boss bitches like mm-hmm. I love it done. But yeah, so Saturn is the name of the podcast. And this actually isn't like super astrology related, but like the, I mean, the concept of the planet itself as it applies to like any kind of like magic is mm-hmm. where it comes from. Cause I would just like see the symbol for Saturn all the time. And I keep track of planetary hours, which is like based on sunrise and sunset every day. But uh, yeah. every time I would look at my phone, I'd see that it's like Saturn hour, like no matter what time it is, somehow it's always Saturn. So that's, that's where the podcast gets its name. So yeah, I like to ask, <laughs> so I like to ask people how Saturn, like what role that plays in their life since it's like structure and boundaries and like limitations. And for me, I'm like, like I, this might be the Capricorn thing again that we share, but like when you're talking about being like really organized and like business like in your corporate job and stuff like that's that's where I really shine like I love a fucking spreadsheet like that's where my Capricorn really it's like workaholic spreadsheets organized it that is like a a really good spreadsheet that's like porn to me like it's just like wow you are like the height the peak of organization yeah I love I, I find that like, also, I think it relates a lot to my work, right? It's like setting those boundaries, having that structure, like while also having like free flowing space for people to exist. But, like in order for that to happen, like I need to have a lot of structure around that. And even just like protecting my own boundaries and my own needs. And in order for me to like facilitate the space well, like I need to have that structure and that boundaries. And it's something that I really thrive off of. Like that's always why like, having I've always been like a really good employee because I'm very like good about structure and rules and things like that and so that's just always something that's in my life even in my personal life it just resonates with me having like some sort of structure boundaries rules yeah I love that I think it's like on the surface two things that like people might think are contradictory like both like I think people tend to assume that artists like don't handle structure well or that that's like like against the general personality type of an artist and then similarly like addicts and alcoholics even though like if you get to the Mm -hmm. bottom of it like usually you're a control freak (laughs) and it's got a lot to do with like structure and you might be breaking a lot of rules but it's kind of in the service of a lot of structure issues (laughs) yeah for sure like that is me to a T yes but I, that's I love hearing that because I feel like I want to like it's not like my main mission in life, but a little bit of a mission to dispel the idea that like artistic people are just chaotic by nature because like I'm not, and I don't feel like it diminishes my creativity that I like a spreadsheet. I would I would argue that we are more structured because we have to create our own, like we you know when you're going to a corporate job or you are 
not self-employed, you're employed by somebody else, you are abiding by their structure, right? You don't have to create your own. But like when you're an artist or creative or whatever, like you have to create your own to meet certain goals and to like continue supporting yourself and doing all this stuff. So I would argue that perhaps we are more structured because we have to be structured all the time and not just like at work. Do you think that like as running your own business, especially because you're an artist and you have that sort of PR background as well as mm-hmm. the fine arts like skill set required, do you think that you have because you have those skill sets like and you work for yourself, there's a lot of pressure to be able to like to do everything? Yeah. Because you can like <laughs> you yeah. do all your marketing and all of your branding and all of those things. Like, do you yeah. feel that pressure? Yes. And honestly, the best thing that I did for myself this year is that I hired somebody else to do my brand kit. Uh, So I got a new logo. I got a new like color scheme. I got new fonts, all this stuff. And like, though I can do that myself, the problem is when I do it myself, that means I can also always change it myself. And it was just becoming like, I was focusing way too much on like stupid shit like that like what color should I use for this what font should I use for this that like it was actually taking up so much of my time just like trying to decide on things like that so I just hired somebody to do it for me and that was like the greatest ever so now I feel like I'm on a roll as far as like feeling more comfortable hiring somebody to do work for me to like take away some of the stress of you know my like day-to-day workflow that has been like just major for me to like have that brand kit where it's like okay here's your logo this is it here's like don't stray away from this so yeah I do feel better about like hiring somebody to um to help me out with things like that now I love that just like yeah. just because you can doesn't mean you have to that's like a mantra I say to myself all the time <laughs> it's so true like I know I can do it but I it's like you know yeah okay so I guess the last part would be how can we find you? Is there anything that you want to promote that's anything going on in particular or anything? Yeah. So you can find me at D Didoli. That's D-A-D-O-L-Y. Two D's, A-D-O-L-Y, photo. Um, on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest. Um, you can also go to my website. That's devindidoli.com. I am offering like a bunch of cool stuff for the holiday season. So definitely just check on my Instagram. I'm always sharing stuff. Um, I also am starting to host monthly queer social networking in person at my studio in Coatesville. And that'll happen, I think, the second Monday of every month. So keep an eye out for that. That's just for like any local queer to come and hang out with other local queers and meet people. You don't have to be a creative or anything like that. It's just really just about community building and meeting people. Um, I also teach workshops for other photographers about trauma-sensitive photography and things adjacent to that. So also, honestly, the best place to look is my Instagram. I'm highly active on that. Um, Also, I'm um, highly reachable. If you just DM me, I will. Yeah. Awesome. (laughs) Thank you so, so much for, for joining me for this. Yeah, thank you so much. 